welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to tell you that I have all of my events booked for my book tour. So that is at a tribe called bliss.com. And you can head on over there right now to grab your tickets and definitely grab them now because they're selling out fast. So if you want to join us on the road, have an incredible conversation about tribe and truly an evening of connection and fun and pictures and hanging out and getting to know each other, you don't want to miss it. Uh, this will be the spot that you can also connect and join and learn how to connect with your tribe. So head over there now. And I'm equally as excited about my guest today, and that is Val Chmerkovsky. <laughs> and you guys, if you do not know who Val is, he is the two-time Mirrorball Trophy winner of Dancing with the Stars. That is what he is best known for now. But he is the ballroom legend and choreographer, and he joined the cast of professional dancers in 2011. And having accomplished all he could in the world of competitive dance, the 14-time U.S. national dance champion and two-time world dance champion quickly rose to stardom. He became one of the show's fan favorites for not only his performances, an immense talent and creativity, but his undeniable charisma. And I can tell you guys that philanthropy is one of Val's biggest, um, reasons why he works so incredibly hard is he just has this beautiful servant heart that just always wants to give back. And that is where I met Val. Actually, I met him on a trip with Pencils of Promise and we were building schools in Guatemala together. So I got to spend about four days with Val. And you guys, this was long bus rides, a lot of amazing dinners, building schools, meeting children. Um, so you really get to connect with a person and see who they are. And I can tell you that he is really a truly incredible human being with amazing stories, as you will learn in this podcast, and gives beautiful perspective to how he grew up and just the driving force of what makes him rise to the top in every single thing that he does. So I couldn't wait to share this conversation with you guys. And he has a new book out that you absolutely have to go and get. Um, you will love it. If you want to really find that drive and that fire within yourself, make sure that you go grab his new book or go see him on his dance tour. He's going to 50 different states. He's actually on this tour right now. And I am going to his tour in Los Angeles and I cannot wait to watch it. So you guys, let's get started. Val, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Lori, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to to be on. So, so I have been. So, you have a friend with you. Yes, Who is yes. It? So my my companion now that that's on on my on tour with me, and she's my my little girl now. I got a little puppy, Anastasia. Anastasia. Okay, so I was just I was just saying to you before this, I went down like the the amazing Val rabbit hole of like researching you. So I got to see that your dog's face oh my god how much <laughs> how much does it weigh because mine's like 70 pounds so oh yeah no um it, it's close uh, it, it weighs i think 1.3 pounds <laughs> at the it's moment a killer <laughs> yeah though but she's got a line in her you know and it's so funny to see that feist yes. even in such a small frame so oh i love awesome. it well, it's great that you have a companion too. I mean, you have many people with you, but also just like something about dogs are so grounding. It's amazing. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's just the responsibility of making sure that she's all right and she's fed. And, you know, just like being responsible for someone else besides yourself sometimes is really important. 
Oh my God. It's, it's huge. And also I feel like they're kind of the soul of wherever you go, like wherever waffles is, that's my dog's name. I kind of (laughs) just feel like there's, it's just like the soul of the house. So anything, anywhere she is becomes kind of like home. So it's beautiful. Okay. So I got to spend a little bit of time with you, which is absolutely amazing in Guatemala because you are such a philanthropist and you're also just an incredible human, which we'll talk about. But I knew that I had to have you on the podcast because you have such an interesting story. And I'm clearly obsessed with ballroom dancing because Chris and I did ballroom dancing before. So when I heard that you were going on this trip, I was like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) You kept it so cool, though. Well, I was like, I just wanted you to have your space and do your thing and not be like, oh, God, I have to be around these people. When really, I'm like, tell me all about your life in ballroom dancing. So now I get to do that because we can just be focused on that. So, Val, tell me a little bit about your life growing up and what that what that looked like for you. Where did this passion for what you do now come from? My my life. First of all, thank you. Thank you for, for that intro. A philanthropist. I mean, I such a big word for what I for what I have done still, you know, I, I don't think I've earned that word yet, but I'm I'm getting there. It's something that I wanna be. Uh but um my my life, um I I was born in Odessa, Ukraine, which is a small city um on the Black Sea, um in Ukraine. And uh Eastern Europe. It's it's a vibrant city. It was a melting pot city, you know, in a very Slavic Eastern European country. This, this city had a lot of soul, and uh, it, you know, it, it, it's known. It was known, kind of, was given the nickname as as like the New Orleans of uh, of the Soviet mm. Union because of its, you know, there was a lot of music presence there, a lot of just a lot of soul. Uh, and um, born to two parents, working class parents. My dad is, you know. Hard work, hard work, all day. You know, I mean, <laughs> as as brief as as it can get. You know, always preaching hard work and preparation and sacrifice. Um, my mom was an incredible mom. They're they're still together. They're still alive, thankfully. Um, so I don't want to talk to talk about them like in the past. But um, I, I have an older brother, Max, that is also an incredible dancer. Also very popular. On uh, you know, also made a name for himself on Dancing with the Stars. Um, but that's it. So it was the four of us and um my first passion i I would say was music you know my parents put me into music when i was five uh, at the 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 conservatory in odessa which was world renowned to produce some of the best violinists in the world one of the best violinists of of last century came from odessa uh oyster and uh and so you know it was kind of like a (laughs) a rite of passage to like for, for boys to get into this music school and, and, and become musicians of some sort or become merchant Marines mm. uh, because this was a, a seaport town. And, you know, my dad was on a ship for, for some time during his teenage years. Uh, and, and then, you know, my mom became pregnant with my brother. So he had to stop and, and kind of focus on being more local. But that's kind of the vibe of the city that, that I'm from. It was, you know, I, I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know a lot of things that I do know now. You know, I didn't see the struggles that my parents were going through, right? I, I didn't really see too much anti-Semitism uh, uh, because my, my father was, you know, half Jewish. And, uh, you know, even though Judaism did not play a huge role in our life growing up, any sort of religious affiliation didn't play a role. You know, traditions, yes. But, you know, in the Soviet Union, religion was not something you you put in the forefront for yourself. Mm. So your, your faith kind of you kept to yourself. Uh, you celebrated the country, you celebrated, uh, you know, traditions, uh, but you didn't kind of bring that forward. So I didn't really know those those complexities until I moved to the States. But um, my life in Odessa was awesome. You know, we didn't have much. Uh, we, we had very little, actually. But, you know, I guess through the lens of a child, everything is so much more lavish and so much more uh incredible as long as you know everything is colored with love and Mm -hmm. and it was you know i had an awesome awesome household again no flat screens and and no colored pictures to look back on but uh i i just you know in my mind it was the best childhood ever i had parents that loved me and cared for me uh and i had an older brother that uh you know also loved and took care of me and 
you know, I just had, I had every tool to, to, to stay motivated. And, 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 and I think that was kind of, I think that's like key growing up. But anyway, we immigrated when I was eight years old. My brother was 14. We got up. My parents were 35, by the way. They weren't that old either. Mm. 35, 36 years old, two young parents with two young kids. Basically picked up their stuff <laughs> with no job prospect. Um, honestly, a lot of, you know, you, you kind of, you, you swallow your pride in a lot of sense. You know, he was, you know, he had a business in Odessa and he was a boss, <laughs> quote unquote, whatever that means. Um, and for him to have kind of left everything behind, even, and not, not just financially, but also in terms of authority, in terms of what he has accomplished for himself. Uh, and to go into this other country and start all over, it was, it was huge. And, and, you know, the older I get, the closer I get to that age that he was when, when my parents were, uh, when they immigrated, the more and more respect I have for them mm. because I realize how difficult that must have been. And, and at the same time, how inspiring it is to me, uh, to like take chances and, and go for things, even at 32, you know, I mean, and again, I, I realized 32, uh, relative to to the to the bigger picture is still young but you know i don't look at myself as a kid anymore and, and as a kid i think that's the other thing why i preach a lot to the youth to you know your most valuable resource is time and when you're young it's like you you have the the privilege to take chances you know with no regrets just go for it do things that you're passionate about because you have the time to do so um at 32 now i kind of start slowing down and people start kind of you know, the, you know, owning their little boxes. And I hate that because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to own up to a box, you know, my, even that my past put me in, but also, you know, society puts you in. So, uh, you know, looking back at my parents taking that risk at 35 and, and, and changing their lives completely and obviously look at how it's transformed everybody's lives in return. It inspires me too, you know, even now. So anyway, they got up, they left, they moved to Brooklyn, New York, South Brooklyn. You know, we didn't immigrate to Milwaukee, <laughs> um, uh, even though maybe we would have met a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, uh, they moved to South Brooklyn, New York. There was a, a small Russian community there. And uh, I think naturally everybody kind of gravitates to the things that are familiar to them, mm -hmm. even in unfamiliar places. And so uh, we moved uh, on to West Street and Avenue Z, which was a neighborhood called Gravesand, predominantly Italian, um, you know, third generation Italians that um, were very proud of their neighborhood and weren't necessarily as open <laughs> to, mm -hmm. you know, incomers to their new neighborhood. Uh, and so there was a lot of struggle in that as well, you know, assimilating and fitting in. And for the first time, Again, even though it was a heavily Italian neighborhood at the time, it was, you know, so multicultural. I, I, I've never been exposed to so many colors before, you know, there were black kids and Spanish kids and Russian kids, Jewish kids, you know, uh, <laughs> Asian kids, every, every, you know, it, it was <laughs> quintessential America. And mm -hmm. I just fell in love, you know, I fell in love with the, the energy and then the, the, you know, the beautiful chaos that comes with, you know, all these varieties and all these influences. And so I started making friends outside of, you know, my norm. And I think that was another huge gift that I was given by, by being placed in such a, um, you know, kind of microcosm of what the real world looks like, which is it doesn't all look like me. <laughs> you know, the world is different. And I, at that time, I didn't have a chance to travel the world to see it for myself. For me to have that sample size right there in, in my cap, you know, elementary school cafeteria was pretty incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I, we, we stayed in Brooklyn for a couple of years. Um, funny story. First day in America, we, uh, you know, we, we arrived and my parents had some long distant cousin friends that, that have been here since the 80s. And at the time it was 94. Mm -hmm. And so they already were established and, and established means, you know, lower middle class. <laughs> and so, you know, lower middle class in the 90s, though, you know, they, they could still mm -hmm. afford some things. Uh, and so 
And so they got us uh, inline roller skates as like a welcoming gift. And it was awesome because I've never seen anything like it. And, and the gratitude that I felt at that moment, you know, opening that box and seeing the inline roller skates, it would be equal. And if, I don't know, if somebody gifted me, a, you know, a mansion right now in mm. Bel Air, that's how I felt. It mm. came, you know, it came with a choir and the light and the whole thing, you know, it was like, a, <laughs> it was like a, Ah, moment, yes. you know, and so uh, we took out the rollerblades, both my brother and I, you know, before even accepting it, they, they were, there were a million, no, thank you, no, thank you, how could we, how could, you know, and then ultimately, my parents were like, just take it and, and stop, <laughs> stop thanking them, uh, but anyway, so we took the roller skates, and uh, I mean, to paint you the picture, we moved into, basically, we lived in the projects at that, at that moment, and um, across the street was this playground uh, slash park where, you know, again, we don't know local politics. We don't, you know, we don't know local playground politics. So we kind of just strap on our roller skates and, and go for it. You know, let's try it out. Within like three minutes, honestly, you know, my potential kicked in and I'm like Apollo Ono all over the <laughs> playground. You know, I'm killing it. My brother, on the other hand, you know, he was 14. He was a lot bigger than me. Um, I guess a, a little bit more clumsier than me. And so he was struggling. And, uh, you know, he, again, not knowing the local playground politics, ventured into an area that was already, you know, <laughs> that didn't have the best kids hanging out in it. So anyway, the point is that he got robbed for his rollerblades within oh, the first no. five minutes. Oh, and no. uh, that was kind of like our welcome to America. You know, there's no free lunch here and, and you really got to fight for yourself, so to speak. Um, but it was it was a very valuable lesson <laughs> mm. uh, that I, you know, it's, it's so funny because my brother and I, and I, and I know this interview isn't about my brother, but, you know, him and I, we, you know, right now we're on a 50 city tour together. We share a stage together in front of thousands of people. We uh, we're both on Dancing with the Stars. I feel... You know, I, I feel a lot of the things that I talk about, you know, we did together. And I talk about that all the time, how mm -hmm. it feels good to, to say I did. But, you know, when you when you go through so much as a family unit, uh, it means so much more to say that we did, you know. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the story, a lot of the stories I take so much pride in, especially from my past. You know, I can't possibly take pride in without mentioning my my brother or my family. So, um but it's so funny because, you know, it's instances like that. Um, it's hard to explain. You know, that's why it's a lot of times it's hard to explain old, older siblings to younger siblings, you know, how difficult it is to kind of bulldoze through life in the front, you know, in the front line, you know, while you enjoy kind of, you know, the younger sibling always enjoys the, the, the wisdom of hindsight mm -hmm. based on the, <laughs> the older mm -hmm. siblings kind of mistakes. Uh, but I could see it and I could see how it translates later in life. You know, he, we're very similar, but we have very different outlooks on things. Mm. Uh, and we're both, you know, raised around tough love, but he's so much, you know, he's got such a harder surface, you know, and a lot of times I always think like, where, where does that come from? What, what kind of moments shape that type of uh, energy? And I, you know, as I'm describing you this rollerblading story, mm -hmm. You know, I could see how that can affect somebody at such a young age, you know, that mm. at least that optimism in, in trusting others, you know, or trusting spaces or being a little bit more timid. Uh, he, again, would become a little more timid because of that, I think, mm -hmm. uh, where I was kind of, I, I went for everything I did. And so um, we are now in Brooklyn. Uh, our parents don't know what to do with us after school. You are definitely not hanging out in the park. So, you know, mm -hmm. what What they do as parents, they have no idea how to play violin. They have no idea how to dance. They don't, you know, art was never mm. something that they were ever involved in, but something that they knew was really cool and really important for, for kids to get involved in. But most importantly, it was to occupy our time. Mm. So they didn't see an end result to, you know, my dance classes. But they signed me up anyway because they thought that this would keep me off the streets, out of trouble, you know, and in something that could benefit me, mm -hmm. 
you know, as as a person, uh, not just creatively, but but also physically. You know, it, it it'll teach me how to, you know, kind of own my body and and give me some discipline as well. Uh, and so they put me into dance. They put me into violin. Again, we didn't have much in New York at all. Actually, times were even harder in Brooklyn, New York, than they were in Ukraine, which I found uh, really ironic. You know, it's kind of, you know, you you seek a better life for yourself. Mm. You move uh, from everything you've known into this other place. And it turns out that, hey, you know, money doesn't grow on trees in America. It's crazy. Mm. You know, it's it, that's not how it is. You know, the land of opportunity isn't, you know, necessarily uh, for the for the lazy, you know, as a matter of fact, you realize that because there's opportunity in this country, there is just so much more competition and mm. it's a vigorous competition amongst people that are different from you. You know, it's mm. it's and, and come from so many different backgrounds and come with because of that with so many different tools that you now have to navigate in with and then compete with. And so you got to step your game up. And so, you know, my, my dad has to learn the language, learn a new skill. He got into computer programming in 94. There was a huge 95, 96, a huge mm-hmm. uh, kind of computer programming bubble in this country. Everyone was panicking about Y2K. And so everybody's getting into computer programming. Uh, my dad never seen a computer in his life before that. So, wow. you know, he hustles into a job on uh, at, at the World Trade Center. Uh, my mom is working odd jobs, again, also trying to keep up with her kids as well. Um, you know, driving me from dance to, to violin to et cetera. Um, slowly, my brother and I <coughs> start to, you know, work and, and, and have to kind of contribute to the family pot. And uh, my brother and I started doing two couple dance shows in Russian restaurants at the time. Uh, so he was 17. He started when he was 15, but around 17, I joined him. He kind of took me on as well. And it was a two couple dance show mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of an 18 year old, 17 year old kid and, a, and a, a 11, 12 year old kid. Uh, and I mean, was that responsible for, for I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get the restaurants in trouble, but I don't think it was legal to employ a 12 year old at the time. Were you uh, excited about it? Oh my God. It was the best thing. You know, it was the best thing in the world. And I'm mm-hmm. so grateful again, the, the feeling of earning and the importance of earning, like the, the, the sooner you can kind of plant those mm-hmm. seeds in, in your child, I think the better, my God, like this, as soon as I realized that, look, you know, effort mm-hmm. equates into a result of some sort of financial compensation, but it wasn't so much about the financial compensation as much as like, yo, I'm contributing, mm. you know what I mean? Like, first of all, my family was so dear to me, even at, tw- you know, at 12, all I wanted to do was like, in the midst of all these crazy conversations about money in the living room, you know, because I had a household full of pride household full of warmth Mm -hmm. and love and i mean like i was never deprived i'm not that kid that's gonna whine about being deprived of anything Mm -hmm. but was i did did we have lavish things no did we have you know does everybody does everybody out there know what it's like to hear your parents constantly argue about money Mm. like that's tough like that's really tough i know a lot of kids do know what it's like but as Mm -hmm. a kid I mean, damn, like that is a really tough thing to go to sleep to, mm-hmm. uh, to just, you know, eat your soup to. <laughs> like it is not awesome background noise to hear your parents constantly, sh- you know, talking about her- their struggles financially. And so at a very, you know, at, at 12 for me to have gotten the opportunity to use my talent, not to just feel fulfilled work, you know, because it's, it was also doing something that I love, mm-hmm. you know, even though. I could have done anything. I could have been given out newspapers, given out flyers, which, you know, I did too. But to be able to use my skill that I learned at dance class to go out and then earn some money uh, that I could then contribute to the family pot with, man, like I feel so, I felt so fulfilled. Like that's what inspired me. That's what motivated me so much. So even as a kid, it wasn't the prospect of becoming a Hollywood star or the next Fred Astaire or Michael Jackson, 
that motivated me. Honestly, it was that entrepreneurial spirit of like being able to earn money doing what you love <laughs> that motivated me. And at the time, that's what I loved. I had no idea what I would love in 10 years, 20 years. As a matter of fact, right now at 32, I, I have a career and I have a great, great job. Anastasia agrees. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but I don't, uh, I don't know if in 10 years this is what's going to be driving me uh, because I just don't know. My, my passion will change, but that kind of, I guess that spirit of, of wanting to earn and then that entrepreneurial spirit of wanting to contribute uh, will never change. And I think, again, that's back to answering your philanthropy question. That's probably what drives that energy in me as well, is that once, I've, once I'm done <laughs> earning and contributing to my little family pot, you know, that pot expands. You know, I'm, I'm not just part of the Chmikovsky uh, village. I'm part of the, you know, the community, the human community, whether it's, you know, locally internationally i'm i'm I'm, the, I'm i'm a citizen of the world and you know and 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 slowly the more i i have I, I have this like you know i have this urge to again yet again contribute but now to a bigger cause you know something that's bigger than just my family mm. what is most exciting for you right now in your life what's most exciting what's exciting for me uh, is besides the fact that my, you know, seventh month old puppy is learning how to sit and, st <laughs> and, and, and stay. I feel um, you. <laughs> and, 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 you know, she potties on the potty pad. Like that is thrilling to me. Uh, <laughs> Love that. But no, I'm, I'm excited. Oh man, I'm excited that I get to, you know, travel this incredible country for the sixth time now. It's my sixth 50 city tour. Wow. Uh, I'm excited that, you know, Valentin Chmerkovsky, you know, Chmerkovsky because of, you know, Valentin, because of Maxim, my brother, uh, because of, you know, everything that my family has kind of done in the last 20, 24 years in this country. You know, Chmerkovsky is a household name, mm -hmm. you know, and it's crazy. And, uh, you know, that's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to see my my dad, you know, f flying around the country. <laughs> Uh, opening up dance locations you know we, wow. we got into the dance studio business in 97 98 when my my dad quit that computer programming job that finally got us into the middle class <laughs> and then brought us back into uh you know back into pretty much poverty uh in order to start up his own business which was a little ballroom dance studio in bergen county new jersey uh, with his 17-year-old son, mm. you know, and he's never danced, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sorry for the, like, excuse me for the language, but, like, the balls on, on the guy, you know, to mm -hmm. be able to do that. Um, I mean, I guess that is the, that is an entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. you know. He said, look, I'm not a, I, I can't be in a cubicle. I, I just, I'm not fit for this, you know. I'd rather... I'd rather go and support my son in pursuing his his dream, yes. you know, than than rot away in 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 in, in my nightmare. Like mm -hmm. that's his nightmare. No offense to anybody that works in a cubicle. Uh, his inability to be able to talk to people and have that human interaction was killing him. And mm -hmm. so they opened up a dance studio in '97, and in 2018, you're you know he just flew down to Boca Raton to to you know to basically check up on the on the construction of our 14th dance studio uh you know i'm just i'm just proud that like i said we we went from getting our rollerblades stolen to 24 years later be you know owners of a company that employs over 120 people and you know around you know in, in i think five different states around this country and we're growing and that's outside of our contributions to the arts mm -hmm. and you know, to what we do in Hollywood. And again, that's, you know, I look at that as secondary. My number one thing is the fact that we were able to, you know, in, in, a, in a world that was kind of undiscovered, untapped, you know, ballroom dancing was, was, mm -hmm. was kind of, I don't want to say laughing stock, but, in, you know, in the, in the mid-90s, early 2000s, before Dancing with the Stars was 
ever on air. Ballroom dancing was not the cool thing to do, you know. And mm. so uh, I'm just so proud that even through, you know, middle school and high school. And again, it was like the least coolest thing to do was for me to be able to, you know, for, <laughs> to, to navigate, you know, through high school as a ballroom dancing mm. violin player uh, with, with the Russian accent. Like, I'm just glad that I had so many awesome voices that were louder than any of the bullying or the, you know, or any of the yes. voices that could have kind of swayed me into quitting or, or kind of like, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, what am I doing? Um, it just kept me on path. I was so motivated. Like nothing could sway me into any direction. Like I had tunnel vision. So that's what I wanted to ask you is, was that a, was that a mindset in your household? Cause so many people, I find so many people, and I know that you see this too, get so easily distracted from their path or they think it's too hard or whatever that looks like. But for you guys, it's like, it was almost not even a thought, you know, the challenges that would come up. So what, what was that? Was that something that you saw your parents do and it just wasn't a thing for you when you got challenged or bullied? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you nailed it. Like what, <laughs> How can I complain about, you know, Tommy in fifth grade telling me that I'm a pansy for, for dancing when my my mom, you know, is, is at home, you know, is, is coming home exhausted uh, after, you know, working crazy hours and crazy shifts, you know, while trying to learn English and, and take other courses. You know, it's like mm-hmm. depriving herself of any sort of, luxury at all for the first like 15 years of being an American you know it's like dude we got bigger things to worry about than what Tommy thinks about your dancing uh you know and so like that maturity and that focus I think I I had such great examples of that um that it kind of kept me in line and then the other thing is I was like I was stubborn too you know I was stubborn and proud I think pride is really important. You know, I, I think pride has this bad reputation sometimes. Uh, <laughs> pride with without ego, and that's the key word, you know, mm-hmm. pride without ego is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I was too proud to quit. I was too proud to steal. I was too proud to cheat, uh, you know, and, and kind of that pride that my dad instilled, you know, that's what makes a man wealthy is, is, is that moral compass, uh, is that those standards that, that, they, that you hold yourself to uh, and ultimately success is defined by that. Mm. It's by, by the pride that you take in your work. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's why I never felt poor. I never felt broke or unhappy uh, because I was always so proud of the things that we had that I, I didn't really care to dwell on the things that we didn't have. Mm. So when you and I got to talk for a little while at at breakfast, right before we went home from Guatemala, I got to chat with you for quite a while. And you were talking about how um, you really like to coach people and you love to create leaders. And what do you think that takes to create um, or to to be a good coach? What does that look like to be a good leader? What do you think it takes? Uh, I don't know, like follow through kind of has... Uh, is the first thing that comes to my mind. I, you know, I, I think the best leaders are those that lead by example. Mm. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I can preach a lot. I, lo- I love inspiring through words for sure. Uh, but I think it's, you know, ultimately it's the action that really speaks the loudest and, and does the most and, and creates the most impact. So um, I don't know. I just, I, I like the feeling of community, mm. you know, and so, as I'm on my way to, you know, kind of success, if you will, uh, or fulfillment, uh, it's just, it's nice to go there as a community, you know, and I, I don't want to be alone on my, you know, on my yacht. I don't want to be alone in my mansion. You know, I want to take all my friends and family. I want to make it together because for me, that's, that's what su- real success is, you know, and uh, part of that is, you know, mentorship for me, I don't know about coaching leaders as much as mentorship. Mm. I, I like okay. to use the word mentorship because, you know, I'm not trying to tell adults how to live their life or, or how to, you know, because, because success is defined so, you know, specifically to people in such different ways. Mm. Like, first of all, who says that I'm successful? 
you know <laughs> even even that but you know to on some on some other in, in some other person's eyes this isn't even scratching the surface of success mm -hmm. yet for other people's eyes you know this is like mega success in my eyes this is just a monday you know that i'm happy to be alive in and i'm doing what i love and i'm motivated i'm, I'm just motivated i'm self-motivated you know um but mentorship is important to me because i really you know i really would not be here if it wasn't for maybe one sentence from that mm. you know from a parent watching me you know do something when i was like seven uh, i wouldn't be here without you know the guidance of my violin teacher beyond violin you know it was yes there was a violin lesson involved uh, and some solfeggio and some vivaldi maybe but it was more than that you know every teacher i've had not every teacher but a lot of the teachers i had they went beyond just teaching me the subject at hand they they, they try to really encouraged me to be a better version of myself however that'll transpire whether that transpires as a violinist or a dancer or you know in social studies or my history teacher in high school uh that went beyond just teaching me you know about history and world war ii uh but you know talked to me spoke to me he didn't lecture me he he, he spoke to me and we had conversations and and i felt like there was this person that really was invested in my in my future so mm. i feel like along the way from my dance teachers to my brother to my parents to you know several you know a lot of influences in my life you know those mentors really shaped my character shaped my personality shaped my most importantly when it comes to this conversation just shaped my train of thought and uh, and and my you know work ethic and and you know, my ambition, they kept me inspired and, and, and motivated. And so because of that, how could I possibly just dwell in my own success without having that, you know, energy of wanting to pass it forward and reciprocate? You know, I say a blessing isn't realized until it's passed forward. And so I really do feel blessed in so many ways. And I'm happy about that. I'm really grateful for that. And But I think part of that you know, blessing seeing itself fulfilled is me passing it forward to someone else and seeing that, you know, seeing that, I don't know, seeing that uh, seed kind of blossom in someone else. You know, I think that's, that's part of life, you know, in the big picture of things, in the billions of years that this planet has been on earth uh, and the millions of years that will be here after we're gone or I'm gone in particular, uh, it puts things in perspective, you know, we're, we're such a, you know, we, we mean so little unless, unless we connect to other people and, and really try to make an impact and, you know, with, with within others. Mm, I love that. So you are on a 50 city tour right now. I can't even, first of all, I can't even imagine what that is like. What is something <laughs> do you, you, you must after every tour kind of get like a, a, a theme or a lesson or some form of like, massive well you would love it you would love it uh <laughs> so tell and, me about and it. i love and i love it you know first of all you, you you know it's it's like the best version of groundhog's day ever <laughs> uh you know it's it's every you know it's so it's a 50 city tour uh in 60 days wow. so you could imagine it's every day this is a bus you know it's an awesome bus but it's it's a bus tour uh, you know, only on our days off do we have hotels. Other than that, we're on, on our bus and, and we roll up to a venue. We, we, you know, we do our thing throughout the day. We walk around, we get to see the city, which is awesome because, you know, I've been around every corner in this country, wow. you know, mm -hmm. we're talking about, <laughs> you know, I'm an immigrant, you know, and, and, and I'm an American and, and for me to, uh, you know, to have, you know, arrived in Brooklyn, New York, and now, uh, you know, be a citizen of this country and, and be able to say that I've been to like, you know, every, you know, from Thackerville, Oklahoma to, you know, from to Eugene, Oregon, down to Mississippi and Tennessee and, you know, down to Florida and West Florida and the difference between how big Florida is and, and you know, Florida is not Miami, you know, and it's like... <laughs> yep. You just learn so much about this country. And um, 
it's just awesome and i and then one advice is like again i'm very lucky to be to be able to travel but if you can travel even locally i mean internationally would be amazing but even locally like get out of your bubble and mm-hmm. see the world for yourself don't take the news word for it you know what i realize is like again and it's you know it's not a not a political conversation but you know with all the conversations on the news like dude go out there and you'll see that we are so much similar than mm-hmm. than what you know what people are, are making it out to be we're not that different we all you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a democrat and a republican i promise you mm-hmm. uh you know just go out there and and you know go to the local diner have fun have a conversation with with someone uh, and I, I think you know that for me is one of the best parts about tour uh but you know we we go around the city and then at in the evening we have a meet and greet uh we get to hang out with all our fans and then we go and it's showtime and you know, new city, new energy, and, and we perform doing what we love. And after the show, we pack up and go to our bus and on to the next city. And and honestly, it's like it, it might sound like a lot, but it's it's the best. It's mm. the best because I'll tell you, because every day and that's what I missed from, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I, I love being a student. I loved I loved being a student. I love learning new things because I really felt growth by learning. Um, and, um, you know, what I missed from my competition days as a ballroom dancer, which, you know, during my competition days before dancing with the stars, a a lot of my pride came from that. I I became the first American to ever win a junior world title at 15. Mm. I became the first American to win a youth title at, at 17. You know, I was really driven by, you know, that sense of patriotism through my competition years. Uh, and and I was pretty good. I was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I what I miss, you know, after that, I, I was broke. But I was in, I was so fulfilled because I had purpose every single day. Mm-hmm. My purpose was so clear. You wake up, you go to rehearse. You rehearse to be better, and then at the end of the month, you go and see if you got better or not. And and you you win or lose, but then you keep going. And so mm-hmm. uh, when you join. You know, when a when adult life kicks in and you don't have that type of structure set for you, you have to try to set it for yourself. Uh, and that's the hardest thing is to create purpose for yourself every single day. Mm. Um, and that's what this tour does for me. You know, I have a clear tunnel vision, focus and purpose every single day. Uh, and that is to be the best performer this audience has ever seen. Uh, to put on a show that inspires and motivates and, 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 and makes people feel something different something new uh and makes them walk away feeling feeling motivated and and feeling happy you know that is such a clear focus for me uh and such a clear purpose that i i love my time on tour Mm. you know i love it because because of that because of that tunnel vision and and i feel most fulfilled when i have purpose Mm. do you ever still get nervous on tour or is it does it just start to become like the daily routine no i get nervous I, I still get nervous it's you know it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to you know that's the paradox with with getting older i guess uh you know it's as as we started this conversation i said you know time is the most valuable resource you can have mm-hmm. uh but then as you know the flip side and how life has these awesome ways of like just balancing things out uh, wisdom is also really cool and wisdom comes with with time and experience and so uh, now I get nervous but this kind of wisdom kicks in and and what I try to tell myself is every time I get nervous before I get on stage I'm like just trust your track record mm. you know uh, and and that like puts me at ease because I mean, after 25 years of, of doing this, uh, like I said, we're celebrating 20 years of performing together, wow. my brother and I, you know, from Russian restaurants and, and Brooklyn, New York to, you know, Radio City Music Hall sold out next week, uh, you know, April <laughs> April 14th in New York City, you know, to, to Microsoft Theater, which I would love to see you in, by the way, I have tickets for you. Oh, I'm uh, going. I'm Chris. <laughs> I'm li- um, we already literally are planning it, so I'm super excited. You know, so fr- from that to this, uh, to be able to look back with pride and say, listen, you, you can trust your track record. Mm. You know, be nervous because you care, but, 
you know, don't, don't, don't sell yourself short to yourself. You got this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of confidence and, and that type of confidence only comes from action and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing before you can comfortably look at yourself uh, in the eyes before coming out and performing in front of thousands of people and, and say to yourself, trust your track record. Mm. So what do you say to some of the people who maybe maybe some of your partners on Dancing with the Stars or prior or in any of your competitions that maybe don't have that track record? Because I know so many people are maybe stepping into something new and they're like, what if I don't have a track record? What is something that you would say to them? I find confidence in that, too. You know, you, you have nothing to lose um, yeah, and have everything to gain. Uh, you know, one thing I... I always had a hard time with was you're only as good as your last performance. Right. Mm. And I, and I hated that because I put everything I got into every single performance I ever had, because I want my last one to be the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tough mentality to have. It's hard, mm. but it pays off. It pays off. You have to feel that way. You have to aim for excellence every single time, at least, you know, again, in, in, my, in my opinion. Uh, you have to at least strive for it. You know, I don't think, you know, I, I, I would like to think I have a winner's mentality, you know, and my mentality on winning is it's not about winning as much as it, it is about uh, squeezing every ounce of effort that I have to, like, absolute dire exhaustion. You know, I love being sore. I love being tired. I love earning my sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I, I want to lay in my bed and pass out exhausted mm-hmm. uh, because if, if I'm not exhausted, uh, I feel unfulfilled, you know. And so just exhaust yourself. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, e- even if you're just starting out and you're excited about something and you want to do it and you're really, really nervous and intimidated exhaust you know do it until you're exhausted to whatever wherever that is you know and slowly that exhaustion uh you know your your kind of threshold for how much you can give and how much you can do expands and all of a sudden uh what you did a year ago doesn't exhaust you anymore now you have more in in the tank you know but you've you've done that by kind of creating this you know this muscle of of going all the way in everything you do you know i just like i said uh back to back to my family and my dad you know the most valuable thing he ever taught me was the way you do anything is how you'll do everything Mm. you know and so it's like it's not a matter of you being the best dancer of all time like that's not my ambition for you uh it's not about being a studio owner or a violinist or any of those things it's if you're taking out the trash right now, I, I asked you to take out the trash. You're going to, you got to be the best, you know, trash taker outer in the history of trash taking out, you know, you know, like, like mm-hmm. if I'm hosting a party, you know, you will give the, the my, my, I will give my maximum effort in being the best host I could possibly be. You know, effort goes a long way. Mm-hmm. At least it, it did for me. And then it accumulates and then slowly, you know, you, before you notice you have a foundation and then before you notice, you know, your house is, is getting built and then, you know, slowly but surely you have a career and, and you're doing what you love. Mm. Val, thank you so much for coming on today. I just have to thank you, first of all, for number one, you're such a a leader in just massive self-expression and discipline and passion. And I just think that it's forgotten about in order to go after your dreams. There's so much involved in it that just takes massive discipline. And just my short time with you and on this podcast as well is, is insanely inspiring. And I cannot wait to go watch you dance too, because whenever people can go and watch that, like literally you guys, if they are coming to your city, which he is, he's going to 50 States. So, <laughs> so go watch because there's something, if you have never watched ballroom dancing live, like it is your soul will leap out of your body on, onto that dance floor with them. Like it will help you in every area of your entire life. Drive, <laughs> it you. does. It it does. So I'm so excited because I need that recharge right now. So I'm so grateful for you. 
and so excited about your book too. So we're going to make sure that Thank they you. link up on here, but where's the best spot to get your book? Barnes and Nobles, uh, wherever books are sold. I mean, anywhere. Okay. Awesome. Or I'll put an Amazon link on here as well. Yeah, that's cool too. But yeah, I mean, like, like I wanted to add to to the show whether whether it's the show. One of the things I love the most is see is watching people be so passionate about something and mm. in their element. You know, I mm. think that's the sexiest thing is like mm. seeing people passionate. So, uh, and and that doesn't matter. I mean, I could be in Washington Square Park watching, uh, you know, a, a, a juggler like juggle, mm. like. If he's passionate about juggling, I will stand there and watch this guy mm -hmm. do his thing for hours because I'm fascinated and inspired by people being passionate. Whether it's someone giving a lecture, um, I, you know, I'm that's that's my thing. Like I love seeing people be passionate, mm -hmm. and whether you like dance or not, <laughs> that's what the show is about. Mm -hmm. It's about being passionate. Uh, you will see dance, you know, it, it done in ways that, you know, you haven't seen done before because of how much love and passion and drive there is on that stage. And it's there because it's my brother and I, uh, you know, family. We Our cast is, is made up of kids that we taught. You know, we didn't just cast kids from Hollywood that are incredible dancers, industry dancers. We went back to New York, back to Jersey and took kids that we taught and took him on the road with us, you know? And so there's just so much camaraderie and family and love on stage that it goes beyond dance. Yes. And that's, I, I feel the exact same way. Honestly, self-expression to me is when you watch someone be so fully themselves and just 100% expressed and passionate, it gives you freedom. So it's like right. they are freeing you. So that's why it's just like, oh, my God, it's massive freedom to go watch the arts, especially and just anyone in your life and be inspired by that. So I'm so grateful that you have stepped in in such a big way, no matter what people have said, no matter what's gone on in your life. So that is like freedom for all of us. So thank you so much for your time today. And is there any last thing that you want to leave anyone with? Um, be, be, be kind to each other. Nice guys don't finish last. Mm, amen. All right. Thank Bye. you so much for coming on the show. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.